Good morning, Bundaberg Bible Church. Uh, as you're aware, I'm Sam's brother. Uh, this is the third time I have uh, been to Bundaberg Bible Church. Uh, it's easy. I may not know you, but this church is no stranger to me. Uh, I have testified to something that occurred in this church for me in places like Alice Springs, South Australian prisons, and with Ukrainian refugees in Poland, even as recently as two months ago. Um, <clears throat> and it is <clears throat> always a significant joy for me to visit with this church, so significant has God used it in my life when I wasn't a believer. Now, the last time I preached in this church, I preached on uh, in a series called uh, Great Love Stories of the Bible, I believe. Uh, and I readily agreed to preach uh, on that topic until I found out that my great love story was David and Jonathan. A um, bit of a stitch up, really. But anyway, today I've been invited to continue to preach on the Modern Heresy series in the church. And I want to begin by defining for us uh, freshly and again, what is heresy? Uh, because the only heresy today is that there's heresy. Am I right? Uh, you can believe anything to be true as long as you can believe nothing is true in our culture today. So what is heresy for God's people? What do we, what do you understand heresy to mean in the life of God's people? Heresy is the denial of something that must be believed within your community, within your worldview. Or equally, heresy is the denial of something that must be true. So it's upholding something that must be denied or it is denying something which must be upheld as true. That is what heresy is in the church. And all movements have heresy. Uh, I know a PhD doctor in science who understands evolution is a faith-based position but would never go public within it because in his community, that would be a heresy. Heresy is to uphold something that must be denied or to deny something that must be upheld. If you look at cancel culture today, cancel culture is an expression of the tolerance movement in regards to heresy. The tolerance movement can tolerate anything other than disagreement with itself. It is an orthodox movement that will punish, perhaps more viciously than anyone else in the world will punish, those who practice heresy. So as a people, as God's people, you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, are not alone in the world in declaring that there is something which is heretical if it is held. And we must hold to those things. To deny heresy is to actually deny Christian faith. If we say all things are true, then we are saying nothing is true like the world. I'm excited that this is a church that understands questions around heresy matter. It matters to the whole world. It matters to us. Today, I am going to be addressing heresy, what is a modern heresy, from what may perhaps be an unusual perspective. Across the history of the church, a lot of the questions around heresy have been to do with salvation. Are we, how are we saved? How do a broken and sinful and angry and wrathful and jealous and lustful people stand in right relationship with a holy, righteous, and perfect God. And so much of the New Testament addresses the heresies around how we stand in right relationship with God. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, James, 
again and again and again, coming back to this topic, what is heretical in our understanding of how one is saved and in relationship with God. It is vital that we continue to do that. But as I said, I trust the eldership of the church has taken you through that, and I'm going to take it from a slightly different angle today. I want to address the question of what is heresy in the church from the lens or the viewpoint of wisdom. Wisdom. What is wisdom? What must we believe about wisdom? And what must we deny about wisdom to protect ourselves from heresy? What is heretical to say about wisdom must be re-grasped in the life of the church. I recently read a quote uh, from R.C. Sproul who said, we have never lived, the church has never lived in an age where knowledge and wisdom was so poorly regarded. You live, you are swimming in a tide of Christian thinking that does not value wisdom. So we want to recenter ourselves today and recommit ourselves today to growing in God's wisdom because there are many forms of wisdom vying for your attention through podcasts and through Christian bookshops. James 3.15 warns us that there is wisdom that does not come from above but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Shall I swap mics? Now we're good? That is essentially that there is a wisdom in the world that is evil. 1 Corinthians 3.19 tells us, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, since it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. There is, possibly Jordan Peterson is someone you're interacting with, there is a wisdom in the world which is foolishness to God and is crafty and will lure you into heretical understandings if you allow it to do so. There is wisdom that is evil. There is wisdom that is worldly and foolish. And then Hosea 4.6 writes, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Right, Same concept as wisdom. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from serving as my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your sons. Wisdom is poorly regarded in our culture today to our great detriment. To our great detriment. It belongs in this series. If there is a wisdom that is demonic and evil and foolish and it can exist amongst God's people, then we must root it out. So my beginning idea today for all, our, all of us is that what is right relationship with God, uh, with wisdom, what it is, where it can be found and what it does and how it should be expressed in our lives truly matters. It truly matters, brothers and sisters in Christ, it truly matters that you are pursuing God's wisdom in your life and that you understand, recognize and reject the foolishness of the world and the demonic for what it is. So I'm going to pray and then we'll begin this project together. Heavenly Father, uh, 
In James 1.5, Lord, you asked that if we lack wisdom, we should ask you and you give to us generously and ungrudgingly and that it will be given to us. Father, this morning, we pray here at Bundaberg Bible Church uh, that this would be a church known in this community for its wisdom. Father, that through your Holy Spirit and through your word and through the gathering of your people sharpening one another, there would be a qualitative difference here recognized in the manner of life and conduct that promotes your wisdom, Father, as desirable, as beautiful, as peaceful, as joyful, as necessary for flourishing in life. Father, through your Spirit, would there be a fresh move of grace and wisdom in this church. We all need to continually grow in these things. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, if we're going to set our minds in, in 2023 to growing in wisdom, as we should do, as mature men and women in faith, we should every year be setting our minds to growing in wisdom. And so if we do that, well, we need a definition of wisdom, do we not? Well, wisdom comes from the root word that is concerned with skill, with craftsmanship. So the word wise or wisdom is associated and springs forth from the understanding it is used to craft or make something. It is, it is a skill-laden concept. To be wise in the Bible is to be skilled in the art of living well in this world and to be able to craft a true life, a life of flourishing in this world as defined by God, not as defined by man because that is foolishness. Wisdom is, has the skill and the craft to look upon life, understand it, and to know where joy and flourishing are found within it. Proverbs 3, 13 to 18 tells us, Happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can equal her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant and all her paths peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her and those who hold on to her are happy. It's understanding how God has created his world, his creation, how the tides flow within it and to swim with the tide of God's creation for God's glory and for your joy and foolishness, in contrast, must be to swim against the tide of God's creation. Foolishness looks like living in rebellion to what we understand is God's flourishing in this world. Where do we see wisdom in creation? Proverbs 6, 6, 9. Go to the ant, you slacker. Is there any teenage boys in the room right now? This one might be for you. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer, it prepares, prepares its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? So we can look upon creation and we can see 
as observable in God's creation, that it, all things come from his hand, and you go and you get it, and you prepare, and you wisely conserve it, and you rejoice in its goodness and its provision for you. You can observe, says the Bible, says God's word, wisdom by examining God's creation, because wisdom from God is written into the pattern of God's creation. And foolishness is the denial of what is written into God's creation, is it not? Example. Is it a new sociological discovery or a growth in our understanding of biology to say gender is not fixed? Or do we look upon creation and say that is foolishness? God's word would say it's foolishness. It is the rejection of what we can see in the pattern of how he has established his world. To swim within the current is to act wisely, which means that foolishness is not. Proverbs 18.2 tells us, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his own opinion. A fool can reject the evidence of creation and come up with a whole new understanding against God's will. Now, the problem, of course, is that creation is not always clear. Sin has affected and broken all things, and we cannot rely on creation alone for our discovery of, of wisdom. It is too sin-affected to sufficiently reveal to us what God's wisdom is. So we need to keep looking for the revelation of the wisdom that produces joy and flourishing in the life of God's people. So where do we turn to? Uh, are you, if, this is something I quote to the young people in our church a lot. In fact, quite a lot, but now I use this proverb. Uh, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Uh, have you, are you aware of this modern kind of thinking now that says uh, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with? Uh, that's now been taught, probably Jordan Pearson certainly. Others are claiming this is the wisdom of the world. Well, Proverbs 13.20 tells us, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. So, brothers and sisters, the more you spend time with people who God deems wise, he says in his word, that pattern will establish wisdom in your life. The more you spend time with people in rebellion to God's per plans and purposes for his creation, the more you will join them in that activity and the more you will suffer harm as a direct response to that decision. Brothers and sisters, are your friendship circles wise or are they foolish? Because if this is it, Sunday morning is, is your Christian life. Could it be you are living foolishly? I would encourage you to pursue time in the company of those who are skilled at living in this world in accordance with God's design for his people. Because if you're not, and you're spending time with somebody, with those who are not, you will absorb their foolishness. 
You need God's people regularly in your life if you seek to grow in wisdom. If you grow in, if you walk with those who are wise in the ways of the world, you will simply grow more skilled at finding reasons to nurse bitterness, shame and exhaustion in your life. You will grow better at transferring guilt and shame onto the people around you, yet if you live in the company of God's people, you'll be better at growing in understanding his grace and his mercy and his justification for you. The peace that is yours in Christ. Proverbs 11.2 Who should we spend time with? When arrogance comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. Brothers and sisters, are you journeying with people who find their own strength sufficient or are you journeying with people who rely on Christ for all things? For all things. Is this a gathering in your life where you are routinely called again and again and again and again and again and again to fall on your knees and receive the grace of God in Christ Jesus for you? To humble yourself before the Lord God and before one another. There's no boasting lest we boast in Jesus Christ amongst God's people. Proverbs 10.8 A wise heart accepts commands, but foolish lips will be destroyed. Proverbs 12.1 Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but one who hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 15.31-32 One who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. Anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. Is somebody speaking correction into your life? I should rephrase that. Who is speaking correction into your life? If you only have people around you to give you the latest Kuron coffee cup that says you can do all things because I love you so much, you're, you're being foolish. You're in the company of fools. But if a brother or a sister walks alongside you and says, are you choosing to go take your kids to Sunday sport instead of church? Are you not in a home group because, you know, you need to be walking with people? Are you not reading your Bible? Are you, not, are you pursuing money because you've absorbed, you've ignored the evidence in creation that says money does not bring joy? Are these things true in your life, brother or sister? Repent and correct these things and pursue the wise path that Jesus Christ has established for you. See, these things matter. These things matter a lot. If there's an easy heresy to target in the church today, it's once I get, once I proclaim faith in Christ, I've received a golden ticket like I've been to Willy Wonka's chocolate shop and now I don't have to do anything ever again. Well, work, Christ's work for you is sufficient, but he's ordained a path for you where you grow in wisdom and knowledge. And 2 Peter tells us, 
2 Peter 1, we confirm our election in Christ when we grow in these things. And it keeps us from being unfruitful in our faith by growing in these things. My prayer, if nothing else, if nothing else for this church today, is this is be a community of Christ followers who accept correction from people who love them enough to offer it. In short, the pursuit of wisdom that produces joy comes from living within a pattern of God's creation that he has established, and it means walking with God's people in community and encouraging and correcting one another as the day grows closer towards Christ's likeness. What else? 1 John 2, 5, 6. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Brothers and sisters, where else supremely do we find what it means to be wise? Well, we have wisdom literature. So be reading Proverbs, be reading Ecclesiastes, be reading Job, be reading Song of Songs, right? Be reading wisdom literature. But where do we see the perfection of wisdom that is needed in God's people? Of course, we find it in the Bible. But 1 John 2.5 is telling us that we, this is how we know we are in him. This is how you know you are in right relationship with God. Walk just as he walked. You see, in Jesus Christ is not the perfection of God's wisdom revealed. Is Jesus Christ not the fullness of God in every way, Colossians? Is he not the perfect exemplar of wisdom? And are you, have you not been called to walk just as he walked? Stumbling for sure but in a direction in growing in wisdom like Christ. When you read the Gospels, when you read the Gospels, this is what we can learn right now. And when you see Jesus Christ, Romans 5, dying on the sin for people who were still in rebellion to him, does that not mean when you are in conflict, wisdom forgives. Wisdom is to forgive. When we see in Mark, when the leper says to the Lord Jesus Christ, touch me, will you touch me? And the Lord Jesus says, I will. And he reaches out and he touches that which is unclean. Is it not wise in your life? Is it not to swim within the pattern of God's ordained creation and purpose for you that you mingle and associate yourself with those that the wisdom of the world declares to be unclean. It is foolish for God's people to huddle in purity masses. If Jesus Christ is the full revelation of wisdom in your life, is it not wise for you to associate yourself with the lowly, with the downcast, with the downtrodden, with the smelly, with the unclean, with the Parramatta supporters, whoever it might be. 
God's wisdom in your life declares you shall. It is for your joy and for God's glory to reach out and associate with the unclean. And it is foolish, therefore, to not. Because when we don't, what happens? Self-satisfaction. No understanding of the power and the destruction of sin because we only associate with people just like ourselves and we agree, we form these little mutual packs where we ignore the type of sins common to us. It's for your joy, not just theirs. It is for your joy to be wise like Christ and to associate with the downtrodden, the ugly, the smelly, the rude, Wisdom matters. Wisdom matters. This means if Jesus is the perfection of wisdom and Jesus is the one we should walk just like and we read in John's Gospel and we read in Mark's Gospel, I believe, Jesus going into the temple and overturning the money tables. This is a challenging one for our era. It is wise to oppose and root out corruption in the church. And it is foolish to ignore it. The wisdom of the world says we uphold middle class manners and values and we accept all people and we just kind of get, go along to get along. God's wisdom in your life, for your joy and for his glory, is that when there is corruption evident in the church, somebody overturns the table. Somebody speaks up. Wisdom and comfort are very different things. Wisdom and conviction are the same things. So as a church, we want to grow in our capacity to be corrected by God's word. And again, again, is not Jesus our perfect model in this? And now, if you've got some depth here, you're saying, well, Jesus could never have been corrected by God's word because he was perfect in all his ways. How is Jesus our model in this? Although he never needed correction or discipline, the Lord Jesus nonetheless perfectly submitted himself to God's word when it was painful to do so. That's what wisdom does. It commits itself and submits itself to God's words even when it is painful to do so. In the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood in some translations at his coming crucifixion, the Lord Jesus Christ prays to his Father to have this burden lifted from him. And then he finishes in verse, sorry, chapter 22, verse 42. Nevertheless, and this is the heart of wisdom for us today. Nevertheless, he says to the Father, not my will but yours be done. Brothers and sisters, wisdom accepts. God's wisdom in your life, which is for your joy and his glory, may take you to places where you hurt. God's wisdom will take you to places where the, Lord, where the world would say it is foolish to go. God's wisdom will call you out of a life of seeking comfort 
out of a life of self-gratification and self-affirmation. Wisdom will call you to the places you would not want to go if you were not submitted to God's will. And yet, that is what wisdom does. And brothers and sisters, we can sit here and we can say that wisdom is an optional extra in the life of the Christian. Right? What a tragic, what a poverty-induced view of Christian life that would be. What a poverty of life to say, I've accepted salvation, but I've rejected the wisdom of God. And if wisdom is an attribute, a perfect attribute of Jesus Christ, and it is, and we reject wisdom, brothers and sisters, to reject wisdom is to reject something of Jesus Christ. Have you thought of it like this? To reject God's will, to reject God's wisdom for your own will and for the wisdom of the world is to reject something inherent and precious within Jesus Christ. Practical applications. When shopping at Christian bookstores or looking for a Christian podcast, how can we determine if it is true to the Christian faith or if it is heretical? How do we know that it is upholding that which must be upheld and how do we know that it is denying that which must be denied? Simply know your Bible. It must be measured against the Word of God. Take it to your elders. I've come across this new wonderful preacher and he sounds good to me. Can you, you, with all your years of experience, can you measure this? Because I need your input. My, my, not my salvation, my joy and my peace and my witness is at stake. I need to know if I'm being fed from God's word or something demonic, something stupid or something foolish. Right? Because it's so easy to just listen to on your own, just you and your phone, and you're finding these, like, whoever they are speaking, and you have not interacted with anybody as to what they are actually saying, and the next thing you know, you are being bound up and caught and led astray by heresy. Brothers and sisters, accept correction. The wise love it. Seek the opinion of the elders God has placed in your church for your joy and his glory to make sure that you are fed God's word and truth in your life. That is wise. That is wise. We'll finish. Luke, Jesus tells us in Luke 6, the words of Jesus tell us in Luke 6, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Woe to us here at Bundaberg Bible Church if our wisdom is exactly like the wisdom of the world and everyone speaks well of our wisdom. Woe to us for that. But to the praise of his grace and his glory, if we are wise like Christ is wise, if we have read and dwelt and encouraged each other out of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and how, and how understanding of our calling and the direction of our life and how we spend our money and how we spend our time 
in according to God's wisdom and not according to the wisdom of our bank who holds our mortgage. Woe to us if we reject God's wisdom in our life. So, spend time with God's people. Particularly, spend time with people willing to love you enough to speak correction with grace and truth into your life. Read wisdom literature. Add it into your regular diet. Uh, And have the mindset of Christ which says, not my will be done, God, but yours. When hard things are heard, may it be that we say, not our will, Father, but yours. And then our lives, our money, and our time will be a declaration as to the glory of God and to the life that leads to flourishing in his name through his power and for his glory. So shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, James, again, you tell us in one five that uh, for when we lack in wisdom, you give it generously and ungrudgingly to us. And Lord, uh, we pray today to grow in wisdom, uh, to grow in, intentionally in wisdom, to not take it for granted that we are wise when we've been influenced by evil and foolish things. But rather, Father, we would be constantly bringing our will into submission to yours. Father, I pray for the community of this church, the men and women with the courage to speak truth with love to one another, to challenge foolish ideas that creep in through foolish podcasts and foolish books. Father, we always begin with your word, always looking to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in all things. And if we do so, Father, we trust heresy will never emerge here. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.